dribble. The champ is here. to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will, I will not, not, not lose. lose. I'm a bad man. I took up the world. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Yes, he's a DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports. Giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom. Covering it all, laughing at it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know what we do about this time. You know, we're going to welcome our guest in the building. So we had to take you up north for this one, all right? So he's an executive producer of betting content on Canada's number one sports station network, all right? So I would like you, please, please clap it up for October's very own <laughs> October's very own Cabby Richards. Cabby, what's up, man? Glad to have you on the show, brother. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you guys tapped in to your your friendly uh, neighbors up north, your your brothers from other mothers up north, and uh, uh, let's get into it, man. Let's do it. Well, hey, how we start the show is we ask a shoot your shot question, man, and you're a man of of many talents, man. So, but we want you to give us an exclusive story or just a quick story that you can come off the top where you went for it all, you bet for you, bet on yourself, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to shoot my shot. So it could have been with the ladies, it could have been in the career, it could have been, you know, in your background, in your backyard sports playing days, but give yeah. us a shoot your shot moment. It was 2009. I was uh, I went to a golf tournament, and it was um, a Canadian golfer named Mike Weir who won, a, uh, the, won the Masters in 2004 or 2005. He was having a charity event in just outside of Toronto. Steve Nash canceled. So like the next person for somehow on his list of people to call and invite was Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So we're on our way to the golf course. And as we're, as we're driving up email after email, Michael is not doing interviews. Michael is not doing interviews. Do not approach Michael. Mm -hmm. So my producer and I are like, well, let's just go see what happens. We asked one of the guys, like one of the grounds keepers, I don't know what they're called, but like, Hey, where's the best spot? If we were to intercept Michael Jordan, where's the best spot? We heard okay. media's at like hole seven and the guy's like, go to the first hole. I'm like, cool. So we go post up at the first hole. And then Michael Jordan moves. Like he changes the energy in a room and we're on a golf course, but you could just feel when he was approaching because like, it was like a sea of ants just you know, started, uh, you know, crawling up this hillside. So you see the people first and then Michael just appears. And, uh, it's like, when you see MJ in real life, bro, you're just like, it's different, huh? Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the first time I saw, well, when, the only time I saw Beyonce, she, she walks in slow motion. Like she refracts light also. And like, you're like, that's the queen. There was like, there's an aura around, around That's Beyonce is though, though like you're looking at like, you know, like sun flares or something like that. <laughs> so MJ, so we know Michael's not doing any interviews and there's another, some other reporter showed up too. So we, I walk up to Mike, I'm, this is me shooting my shot. I'm a total stranger. I'm just a chubby reporter from Toronto. So I say, Michael, um, would you mind asking a answering a couple of questions? He's like, well, I'm only going to interview. I'm only going to ask questions for one of you guys. And I was like, okay. Well, then I said to the other dude who was like a news reporter, I'm like, well, why don't you go? Because like you you probably have to get this clip back to the news desk so it airs tonight on your channel. 
Right. So then the guy asked a couple of questions, but then there was still time. So I just, I had prepared this bit. So I had like a, a thank you card in my back pocket and mm -hmm. I was in the car. Like it was a, probably like an hour drive. So the card in my back pocket and I'm fat. So the card had like kind of bent the <laughs> shape of my backside. So I pull it out and this is in the summertime. So then it's also kind of moist. Like it's a little, it's curved. And then it's like, it's hot. And then, so, um, so I hand it to MJ and he's sort of struggling to open it because it's kind of, you know, it's like a, it's a greeting card. So like, but the envelope is a little bit wet. Anyway, he pulls it out <laughs> and on the front of the card, there's this. So people who are listening to this, I'm doing like the AOK -okay symbol, like pilots in the, not the thumbs up, but like, you know, where your, yeah. your pointer finger and your thumb are joined together. So it's like a circle and your three fingers, uh, the way that people throw up the three, the three point, um, a hand gesture after they hit a, 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 a shot from downtown. Anyway, right. so that's on the front of the card. So the Michael's like, how did you know about this? I didn't know what he was talking about. So I just said, I know some people. <laughs> <laughs> I found out later what that meant to him. And I'll get that in a second. So in the card, I wrote, you know, I wrote like, hey, Michael, thank you for, uh, thank you for being awesome because you're awesome. So he's reading this to himself. But there are a thousand people watching our interaction and on a golf course golf course you know it's completely quiet right so Reedsy goes oh thank you very much so then i then narrate the card to the audience i said this is what i wrote to michael thank you for being awesome because you're awesome and then thank you for um uh making fat kids believe that they could fly too <laughs> and then people started laughing and then i this is where i shot my shot with michael i just and, and and then i said to him I'm like i just want to give you one of these so then i hugged michael jordan I'm six feet tall, MJ six six. So uh -huh. then my head was just like right on his chest, <laughs> like in between his balls. And then so I'm, yeah, so I'm, but I'm I'm feeling him like I'm feeling his heartbeat, and I'm hugging this man. I'm like at the time for like two sixty, like I'm a fat dude. So it's like I'm hugging for one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand. This is a long hug, five one thousand. Six one thousand. Finally, MJ with his elbows like peels me off of seven one thousand. Peels me <laughs> off of his body, and uh, and then I'm like, thank you so much. And we talk a little bit more. So later on that day, I I like run into him intentionally two more times for a quick like minute um, reaction, a minute in interaction. So right. I got like a three minute video out of it. And uh, that was the time that I, I shot my shot and it worked out. I didn't get punched in the face. Yeah. I didn't get rejected like many times, like talking to, you know, good looking women out there. I was, uh, I was fortunate oh, that MJ boy. was in a good mood and like he let I, some fat reporter from Toronto mess around with him. And I, for that, a long time. that has that's, to, that's, that's a, a top. Yeah. That's the gold medal. That's a gold medal to shoot your shot, well, not, uh, oh, okay, so. you, man. Take, take it, take it from here, man. So there's a couple of things that's coming to my mind right away with that, like Space Jam. The the uh, what was the actor's name that was kind of like Bill Michael. Murray. Bill Murray. No, 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 no. Michael Jordan's like he was supposed to like watch Michael Jordan. And he was the, oh, the fat um, dude. Uh, yeah, from from Seinfeld. Seinfeld, uh, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm picturing when you talk about holding him on yeah, the golf that's course. Pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Newman, I think. Newman. From yeah, 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 yeah. And I know <laughs> what you mean about Beyonce. I also, I wish you've seen that. her in real life. Yeah, so I went to a award show here in Las Vegas when I was still in college, and uh, they, you know, the seat fillers, right? Yeah. So I was sitting in the top deck, and they were like, you know, does anybody want to be a seat filler? So it's me and about three hundred girls running down, and I'm like, oh, whatever, <laughs> I'll go down there. 
So I, they was like, somebody's got up. So I was sitting next to a lady with fake lips and fake eyebrows and everything. I don't know who she was, but she like she had money. But I sat uh, next Cardi to her. B? No, <laughs> I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. Wow. Not quite Cardi B, but yes. Uh, so I, I sat next to her, and Beyonce was doing this the show. They were they were uh, honoring her. She did a stage, and then when she was done, I was like, "Wait a minute, this is where she exits." So she was coming off the stage, and I saw her coming left, and she was right in front of me. So they give you instructions: don't take pictures. Obviously, don't touch anybody. <laughs> but. <laughs> I felt like she took like three steps to where I was at. It was a good hundred yards. So I get what you mean by she flows so most. Yeah, yeah, it was (laughs) unbelievable. Uh, Anyway, uh, where did did your your love for sports start? Where did that start? Um, You know, generally, like sports are like handed down by our dads, Mm -hmm. Uh, and my dad liked football. I think when I was younger, I'm a lot older than you guys, but I think he loved the Chicago Bears and Walter Payton. But it really accelerated playing video games. When Madden came out on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo or NHL, like I'm Canadian, so we played hockey, so the NHL series, and then like NBA Jam, the arcade game, that's really where... That's a classic right there, bro. Yeah, it took it's another really level. I had the Michael He's Jordan. up. <laughs> right? Yeah. I had the VHS tapes, Come Fly With Me, Playground. Yeah. And Hang Time. Hang Time, yep. Uh, and I, I had like Air the Sports time. Illustrated yep. subscription that was, I don't know, like 20 bucks back in like the early 90s. And you got right. the, the VHS tape and that was the prized possession. Um, but yeah, vi- video games, man. That's how I got to learn like other people's names. And then on top of that was collecting baseball cards baseball was like the game i loved the first because the blue jays went to the alcs in 1985 and i was a youngster we lost it we're up 3-1 in the 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 jays are like the original team to blow a 3-1 lead they're up (laughs) 3-1 against the kansas city royals and then lost and the royals went to the um world series in 85 and i think they lost to ozzy ozzy smith's st louis cardinals i think cardinals the royals won that one but uh, and both in both in the state of uh missouri um I think I think the Royals are in Missouri, right? Or are they Kansas City, Kansas? I can't remember. I'm not sure about your the geography. So right? yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. They're, I don't. I okay, think they're in Missouri. but I don't feel so bad. I don't feel yeah, so bad. I think they're in Missouri. Uh, so yeah, that that's where it started. I love it, man. Uh, man, that, you bring back memories about Michael Jordan Playground. That was my movie back in the day on VHS. I loved it, man. I loved it to death. And uh, Paul Abdul was on there at the end. Uh, yes, nice yeah. memory. <laughs> memory. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask a super like American tra- question to a Canadian, like hockey wise, man. Like, you know, did you get into hockey? Did you actually play at all? Like, what, what was your your background with hockey? No, I I, I can't ice skate. I just I just collected <laughs> um, like stickers and and hockey cards, and then a lot of my friends. Actually, I lived like in like our version of the hood. So there's an area in Toronto called Jane and Finch, and it's just your your standard sort of working class, low income housing, a ton of apartment buildings in a small area. Uh, we had roaches and that kind of ish. So like we didn't we never watched hockey on on TV because my parents are from the islands. They're from mm-hmm. Trinidad and Jamaica. So soccer was big and cricket, but soccer was rarely on Canadian TV back then. Okay. So, you know, we just, I think baseball was the sport that we watched. Um, so I didn't, like, I respected hockey players, but I never played it. I just really gravitated towards 
basketball and football and baseball as those were my sports. Yeah, too. So, so you did mention the Toronto Blue Jays. So I was definitely going to ask about them. I mean, what's up? Any uh, Argonaut love up there? Yeah, you know what? They <laughs> see. There's if there's like there's like a hierarchy, hierarchy right? Okay, okay, so give so, us that. So, yeah, in uh, I mean, in Toronto, the Leafs are one. Then the then the Raptors two, Blue Jays three, uh, TFC or MLS team four. Um, there's probably another team, and then the Toronto Argonauts. So they're, I mean, they get some love from the diehards, but it's not really as cool to go to Argos games as it is like the other three or four sports. And they be bringing home championships, man. Dang. I agree. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> tough love up there. <laughs> well done. They won the Great Cup in 2017, I believe. Uh, they beat uh, Calgary in in Ottawa, and it was freezing cold. The I, the field was so crappy that like dudes were skate like skating on it like they're like a frost had sit in like at halftime and then there was like a coat of like you know like well you guys don't know this because you're in las vegas you've never had freezing rain but people were watching this from the yeah, northeast yeah. they've had they've experienced freezing rain so it's like uh -huh. a layer of like freezing rain on the field so when you know when the players are down on one end you just got the the temperature dropped so then the the field got a little bit colder Right. And then so by the time overtime came around, dudes, you can make one cut, one move. But if you try to cut back, you are sliding. It's you are getting hammered. So uh, the, you listen, the Argos did win a great cup. <laughs> and they got a nice, they got a nice, um, uh, not a parade, but they got a nice welcoming in the city hall. The year, a year later, TFC won its championship. They won the MLS Cup. And they mm -hmm. had a small parade up like some of our major streets. But then in 2019, when the Raptors won the chip, listen, hey. you know, two and a half million Canadians, like people flew into Toronto for that. <laughs> Drake was on the float. He was on bus three. I was on bus four. Drake was on bus three with Kyle, Kawhi, Fred Van Vliet, Drizzy, and the Larry OB. Two and a half million. The, the parade was only supposed to be two and a half hours long. It was five and a half hours long. Wow. There were yeah. people for miles, bro. And it took forever to get to the final destination to like do, you know, where, where all the players would come up and, ha you know, thank the crowd. Marcus right. Soul was so melted, bro. It, like one of his eyes was twitching. <laughs> you know, my guy had like 41 Bud Lights. He was like, he's the only player that did not speak because they're like, yo, he's too drunk. He's going to make your ass out of it. <laughs> He was he, living his He beat best PJ life. Tucker. He beat PJ Tucker from uh this year. You saw PJ Tucker uh championship, yeah, right? Yeah, on that level. On that it was level. on that level. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, it was, it I was, was just... so hot because I flew down to game five. I was in Toronto for game five because like I thought that they were gonna win it. I Me knew the too. city was gonna I thought this because the city was gonna go off, right? So yes. I was down there and it was that last damn shot, and he fucking missed wait. the damn shot. He just uh, waited. Wait, <laughs> you flew to Toronto for like, yeah, and and hey, like, listen, I salute to Draymond for getting like a fingernail on the ball to alter Kyle Lowry's shot in the corner. Had that guy made the shot, it would have been a Hollywood ending because his first game of that playoffs, he was, he was held up. scoreless against the he Orlando Magic. The one yeah. game that they won and everybody was just shitting on Kyle. That would have been an unbelievable arc. Ending like for him. Go from zero points to the game winner in the finals. But 
Bro, you flew to Toronto for that? No, I'm going to give you what I did. I, <laughs> I flew to Buffalo because I couldn't get into Toronto and drove from Buffalo <laughs> into Toronto to make it to the game and was there at game five and was just like in that whole energy because we just knew it was going to erupt. And he, like you said, missed that shot. But it was just it was set up perfectly the whole time. So, Oh, that yeah. bro, that would have been was that your first time in, in Toronto? No, I used to go to Carabana before they oh, started. Oh, good for you. Okay, so you've experienced <laughs> the culture, the women many times. Good for you. Like, you, <laughs> bro, here's, here's exactly. the thing, MH. Here's the thing about, about uh, Carabana. So it's the first weekend in August. It's a huge Caribbean festival. Thousands of Americans descend on Toronto. Yeah. And girls, they don't check for the Canadian dudes. They check for the American homies because they're like- That was, they that was a long, long time ago. You know, how, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Another time, not not now, but like not before. now. I used to, but no, it was yeah. a great time. Great time, <laughs> yeah, boy. Remember those dances? Jeez, I, I've always heard about it, man. So it was great. Do you speaking back to the the Raptors championships, man? Uh, did our championship, Demar Derozan? Do you feel any bad about him? I know you got you know relationship with Demar, and what's your thoughts on Demar? He will forever be uh, a local hero. I think Kyle deserves a statue first, but if they built two statues and and unveiled them at the same time, it would be a Kyle Lowry dish to DeMar DeRozan. Listen, I love our president, Masai Ujiri, who was a general manager, the president general manager at the time, now he's just the president, who had to take, you know, I, th- I, don't, I don't know if it was Einstein who said like, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again with, without right. any different expecting results. different. So, results. you know, listen, leadership is about taking, is about making tough decisions. So to trade the franchise player at the time and the reigning coach of the year and Dwayne Casey was a huge swing and guys like Kawhi Leonard never becomes available, like rarely ever. So Masai, mm-hmm. you know, go, going back to the top of the show, shot is shot and it worked <laughs> out. So, I have love for DeMar. The entire city in the country has love for DeMar. Anytime he comes back to Toronto, he will get a, a resounding ovation. Chicago plays in Toronto game four of the season, um, and he's going to get a standing ovation probably a couple of minutes long, as he deserves. I mean, he was an he's awesome ambassador for the city, really embraced it. He's the homie, um, and like he just gets a ton of love. Drizzy will be there to give him a dap, probably give Lonzo and, and, and Zach Levine a dap, a dap too. Yep. And um, and then hopefully we get the W, the Raptors, yeah. not the Bulls. Yeah, Vince, Vince Carter now. I, I, I've always heard from, you know, our, our angle that he changed kind of basketball in Toronto. Facts. How was how was Vince Carter for you at, in your upbringing and seeing him play? The Vince Carter era made Toronto cool. We won back-to-back World Series in 92 and 93. Shout out Joe Carter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Game six. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The greatest home run he'll ever hit. Game six against Mitch Williams in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, And baseball was cool at that time. But uh, VC, man, like Americans really enjoyed coming to Toronto and we, our culture, our nightlife, women, the guys really had a great time. And Vince had like a nightclub where I met like Andre 3000 at Vince's nightclub back in the day. (laughs) Um, But he, you know, once he won that, that slam dunk contest in Oakland in 2000, that was like, and Kenny Smith, who was a salute to a legend, half man, half amazing. Like that, he was, 
He was minted at that point. He'd already established himself as like a high flyer and the heir apparent to Michael because they both went to Carolina or North Carolina mm-hmm. and they had similar games. But man, Vince just made Toronto cool. And then Drake just was like HGH, cocaine, Red Bull, <laughs> and like whatever Arnold Schwarzenegger used to use in the 70s and 80s. Like just, it just, and like napalm, it just exploded. So yeah, yeah. DC deserves. A ton of, he might get his number retired. Like, I, sure. I, we we have forgiven him because the the breakup was 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 nasty, awful. ugly. Yeah, right. Not, yeah. And then like when he joined the Nets, the first time we made the playoffs with Chris Bosh, like mm-hmm. they beat us four two, and I think they won Game Six in Toronto. Toronto. Like it, yeah. was, it was bad, and and uh, but we've since forgiven him. And when he came back with Memphis, we uh, Toronto did a video tribute. My guy got emotional, started shedding the tears. Yeah. VC is a he's a legend and a G, and he he's also cemented and he's minted in Toronto. Yep. That's dope. All right. So um what was that here? So you didn't really play hockey. No, sir. Was there <laughs> like everybody of our skin tone that just really didn't play hockey? Or was there like a lament that like a, a push or something, right? Because like I know there's a couple people that are attempting to like push, you know, hockey's for everyone and, and all of that good stuff. Was that just like the cultural norm there as well? Most of the of the black people in Canada, their descendant were of Caribbean heritage. In the 70s, we had a prime minister named Pierre Trudeau, who is our okay. current prime minister, Justin Trudeau's father. He had very liberal immigration policies. So when I asked my mom, how did you decide Canada over the United States? She's like, well, my brother was already there in Canada, so it was just easy for me for me to go. And immigration was was easy in the 70s. So a huge influx of Caribbean people descended on Canada, and then most of us stayed in Toronto, or most of our parents. So there were like, you know, there were a few, bro, like maybe one or two a year black hockey players from Grant Fuhrer, who was a goalie for the Edmonton yeah. Oilers, and they won four Stanley Cups in the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, in the 90s, shout out to Kevin Weeks, who's still doing some media on the NHL Network. Yeah. Kevin Weeks and George LaRocque and uh, Mike Greer, Anderson, or Anson Carter. There's a few. Now there's about 15 to 20. So yeah. it's we have a few more, but it's, um, it's really like first-generation Canadians are the ones that are that are picking up the sport. And the most famous is PK Subban, who's in the new with the New Jersey Devils. He went to the Stanley Cup Finals a few years ago with Nashville when they played uh, Pittsburgh. But there, there are a few more now. We have there's okay. I know, I know you guys. I mean, Vegas had um, Reeves. Ryan Reeves, right, right, Ryan Reeves, and, yeah. and, uh, um, and we had one of those. Um, what was PK's um, brother? Malcolm Subban, of course. Malcolm, the goaltender. Yep. And Pierre, oh my gosh, what's Pierre? Pierre Bellamare, I believe, was there. Oh, uh, yeah. He was there. Uh, what's my guy's name now? I saw him in the play. I can't think right now. Jeez. There's another, there's another one. I have no excuse. I have, yeah. I'm like, a, so, there, there's, so there, there, like, there, a kid was drafted last year, number two overall, plays for the LA Kings. His name is Quentin Byfield. He's the highest drafted um, black, player. black player in hockey. Yep. We posted that on our social. What's that? We posted that on our social because that was just like, you know, that's one of those like, you know, moving it forward type things, right? Yeah, yeah. You need to see it, right? Like, 
like yes. when you said how Vince and, and Drake made Toronto cool, right? Like it, it's going to take a couple of players to make hockey cool, right? You know, so and Revis and, and him and, and getting those kind of accolades helped that. Once, once hockey really, so right now hockey is like at the maximum exposure and growth for its traditional fan base. But once it starts embracing like Latin players, mm. there's a guy who plays for Toronto. His name is Austin Matthews. And his mom is, um, I believe she's Mexican. Um, and he's he grew up in Arizona. So he's a direct result of like Wayne Gretzky, going to LA in 90 in 88 getting traded and opening up California and uh, you know Arizona's one of those teams one of those expansion teams as well that is a result of the Gretzky effect but once hockey starts embracing like latin players and some latin players enter the league some more there's a pipeline for more black players in the league then it can really explode because that's like you know, we're talking if that you look at like Hispanics and black people in the United States, that's 80 million people. Like that's, yeah. that's 80 million potential customers that right now aren't being fully embraced because they don't see themselves represented in the sport. Like we do, we are over indexed in the NBA and then in, in the NFL. Absolutely. So, uh, one, uh, one to jump into the, uh, into the game. Did you have one more miles? Yeah. I just want to kind of, uh, real quick. I'm, it's just probably not going to be quick, but I, I have to ask, uh, your storytelling is top, top tier, man. And, and the relationship that you built with the, the late, great Kobe Bryant, man. Uh, just talk to us about that, man. That, that was an incredible relationship. And this seemed like you got a different side of Kobe than what, you know, uh, we might have seen uh, as a public. Well, so thank you. So, get into that, so we, that's what we want to take it. So let's get into the, your career, right? So you were in journalism is kind of where the, the world, I'll, I'll say that's, a really short term to encapsulate everything you do, but just, you know, you're in the media journalism and then, you know, how you got started with that. But yeah, start with that relationship, you know, with Kobe, because it is great to see the time that you spent with them. And, and, and like we all had, you know, a pain when we lost him, we could definitely tell, you know, what you went through. So that definitely share that. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking. I mean, um, shout out to the late, great, uh, Kobe Bean Bryant, rest in power, my G. Uh, it's, it, um, so I, about like my style of my interviews, I would say I'm entertainment first and information second versus <laughs> okay. actual journalists like Woj or Shams or Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting. Like, um, oh my goodness, hold on. Let me give a couple of other props. I got to give props to like, um, we can give props to Washington. We got Amin that was on the show. Amin El Hassan was on the show. Yeah. Sick. Amin's <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I entertain first and inform second. Okay. So the, the relationship with Kobe started late December of 20 of 2005. They were in Toronto. Lakers were in Toronto. That was the year it was 05, 06. This is a year after his entire ordeal in Ego, Colorado. Yeah. So, like, Kobe was still, like, an incredible talent, but he wasn't that popular at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Iverson was still probably the most popular athlete in, in the NBA. And uh, the day that they were in town for the game, it, it was a massive snowstorm in Toronto. So there's only one other camera crew that was there. So when I approached Kobe after practice... And here's the thing about when you like when getting time with NBA athletes, 
There's availability at noon, like after morning shoot around. There's like 45 minutes before the game. So say if it's a 7.30 start from like 6 to 6.45, you can go talk to players. And then after the game. So you can speak to NBA players three times on a game day. Guys like Kevin Garnett only wanted to speak after the game. Kobe was available before the game to me. Some guys will only do stuff before the game and won't speak afterwards. Um, I'm not sure what KD and Russ are like. Because uh, I never, I've never been able to interview Russ. I saw him once actually at, at the at Encore, like this summer. I was randomly there where the chain smokers were, th- were like where the headliners at Encore Beach Club, and I was melted. <laughs> and like, I went up to Russ, like smelling like, like, like a volcano of poison. Like I had so much tequila in my body, That's and then Russ was just like he saw it from a mile away. I think I got multiple. Heisman's because like Russ, nice to meet you. Love your like. I don't even know if either of my eyes were open. I'm sure I was. I could not operate a motor vehicle because I would have crashed into the Red Rock Mountain um, at some point driving back to my place. It's in Summerlin. Let me get back to Bean. So I asked him about the first segment that I wanted was asking about was bandwagon fans. And at the end of the bit. I like to use props in my interview. So I was asking Kobe to draw what a bandwagon looked like. The bit was like, what do you think of bandwagon fans? Do you welcome them? Or do you just like love your diehards? He's like, Lakers have a, a long history of a great fan base. It's generational. We'll take everybody who likes the team. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like after Shaq left to go to Miami in 0405, and then they won in 0506, like LA was doo-doo pie until terrible Gary West orchestrated like one of the greatest heists in the history of trades pal gasol and then boom immediately they go to the finals lose to boston then they win the next two against orlando and then boston again okay don't say kwame cabby don't say kwame just for on that tray i'm glad you didn't because he Bro, listened to everything has kwame <laughs> like <laughs> we wouldn't consider that a glow up, right? But Kwame just found his voice. Like Kwame is saying it with his chest now. Like Man, who saw that? Coming? He's sprinkling, sprinkling mama's cooking. Yeah, <laughs> putting his big toe in at everything. I, absolutely. So, um, okay, let me get back to Kobe. So, because I wasn't, I wasn't asking Kobe about anything controversial. I was asking about like bandwagon fans and wanting trying to ask him to draw them. The next time I saw him, I was asking about posters in his room. And then I was asking about like, um, we went to the all-star game in Houston at the time. I was asking about like, why is everything bigger in the state of Texas? What is it like to fly? But at the end of every interview, the button was, can I stay at your house? Yeah. Yes. Hilarious. Who would have the audacity to ask, uh, like, uh, I don't know, an 11 time all whatever time all star was at the time. Like one of the best players in the sport to come stay at his house. But here I was with the stupid face that you guys are looking at right now. It's rounded, it's doughy, and it's goofy. And I was like, Hey, Bean, like, um, you know, can I stay at your house? So he's like, he looked at me a little bit sideways. He's like, You want to stay at the guest house? I'm like, Yeah, I would love to stay at Casa de Bean. So every time I'm like, can I stay at your house? And the next time I saw him, like, what's your address? And the next time I saw him, I was like, what's your phone number? Phone number. And he would give, obviously give me fake ones. What it, The phone number he would give me was 1-800-never-ever-ever-ever-call-me-ever. <laughs> so then when I would see him the next time, I'm like, Kobe, I tried that yeah, number. That but number it was, <laughs> out of service. Like, I don't, can I get the new one? And then one time I asked him about email. And he's like, I don't email. I'm like, you don't email? So that was a, a through line 
with our interviews. And I interviewed him probably about 20 times. That's and awesome, then I got, we got so comfortable where I would pitch him new ideas. So um, generally for like the first, I don't know, 14 or 15, I wouldn't tell him anything. But then I wanted to like, I was trying to write some sketches and I wanted him to do the sketches and I'll share some of those sketches with you. So um, I pitched him an idea about being like a, a prospective real estate magnate and I was going to buy one of his homes and I would show up with like a couple of dude, like huge security dudes, make it look like I was a really important VIP client, high net worth VIP client. Right. And at the end, Kobe comes home and he's got these big dogs and you know, the camera's like on my face. I'm like, worried, like, oh, Kobe like came home too early. Back to Kobe's pissed off. Back to me. I'm a little bit more worried. There's some, some fear creeping up on my face. Back to Kobe. Now he's got that scowl. Back to me. Now it's just panic. Back to Kobe holding the two leashes of these big dogs. You just let's go of the leashes. <laughs> I pitched that to Kobe. Kobe's like, nah, this ain't it. Like, write me some Dave Chappelle show shit. It's like, Dave Chappelle right. show shit? Like Dave Chappelle is a comedic genius. Yes. Like, what do you mean, <laughs> right, Dave Chappelle? So like, it was a great challenge though, because that's what Kobe would do. He would test people and mm -hmm. see what they're made of. So the next time I came back, I came back with three ideas and he loved this one. <laughs> the, the, the sketch is set in 1996. I, and I showed him, I would also present him with like a storyboard, like just one panel of what the thing would look like. That's crazy. So it's a dorm room. It's like Duke University because back in in the day, at some point he said he would have gone to Duke had he not gone to yeah. the NBA. Yeah. So my like, Kobe, in this bit, we're roommates at Duke. What if you didn't go to the NBA? And then he starts smiling and goes, I would, I would fucking kill you. I'm like, perfect. So I'm like, <laughs> That's the premise. Can I go? Would you do this one? He goes, okay, yeah, that's funny. Go, let's go do that one. So I wrote, I wrote, and then rewrote, and then rewrote, and I sent it to Molly Carter. So then Molly Carter, who was, um, I'm not sure if she's still running Kobe Inc., but she was like the, so Michael has a lady named um, Esty Portnoy, and Esty Portnoy is a shark. Like, there are gatekeepers, and then there's mm -hmm. Esty Portnoy, who has all of the superpowers. She has a Green Lantern ring. She has super <laughs> strength. She has Black Panther's agility. She has a friggin' Iron Man suit. Like, you can't get past this woman. And then you can't get to Michael. Okay, so Kobe had one of those. So Molly Carter's like, <laughs> her feedback was, you need to change, change the ending. There could be no girls in the bit. I was like, no problem. So I wrote like two more drafts, sent it, and didn't hear anything. Kobe <laughs> like launched like a venture capital fund, and then was leaning into, um, leaning into the Wizard series, writing yeah. book. Um, so then like he was, and that thud was for those who are listening. I have, I have the uh, Wizard book on my shelf, and then some other books tumbled. But he was just leaning into being a, a content creator, and then obviously like. Natalia and Gianna were playing sports. So he was way more present, not way more, but he was more visible in their lives, attending volleyball games and, and basketball games, et cetera. So we never got to shoot that, but that was the one that, so at the end of the bit, sorry, the part about girls where Molly's like, there can be no girls in this bit. Right. At the end of the bit, the resident assistant in Canada, we call them RAs, but I don't know what someone uh, who like, 
What do they call them in in college? RAs. Okay, yeah, same. So we wanted like Steve Nash to make a cameo or Pal Gasol to be the RA. So like at the end of the bit, they're coming to check curfew, and then we have some girls under the bed giggling. You know, there's some there's some like baked there's some like weed cookies in the mix. (laughs) I had to change all that. But uh, I, I mean, it's it's one of the big one of the great regrets of my life is that not being able to like beg Kobe, like Kobe, I just need one shoot day. We'll shoot it in right. four hours. Right. We'll build a set, and I wish I could have done it, but wow. unfortunately, I never did. So that was one of the bits that I pitched to Kobe that he was like, "All right, this is we're doing this." <laughs> that's phenomenal, man. That's thank that's, you. That's amazing, man. Thank now, you for sharing, man. Thank no. you're welcome. Thank you for asking. Appreciate you sharing that. So now you're on our podcast, which we appreciate, but you you have some podcast experience. So you had Cappy Presents, the podcast, right? Thank so you. what was the evolution? Where did that come from? And like and, and how did you feel? Because like me and Miles always tell the people, like, it's been a joy creating this lane and, and putting this together. So share with us like the creation and uh you know what that platform did for you. So it much like you guys, I enjoy conversations and I enjoy conversations with people from different walks of life. It was mostly athletes, but occasionally I would interview um, some other on-air talents or whatnot. And the lane that I carved out for myself back in 2001, when I started doing streeter segments and salute to Al Shearer, who was, his character was named Hits from the Streets on BET. I borrowed- I think just it gave me the confidence to go annoy random people in the street. And he was really funny. Like Man, when he wrote AT, um, Shout ABC, out the hits on the street. Right? <laughs> yeah, he was amazing. And like he would dress in different costumes. He would make fun of random people in New York. He was really, he was. And then I think he was like a character on punk for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't make fun of people. He would make fun of people. And it was funny for us because we're just kind of jerks as the audience. But I chose to be self-deprecating because I thought it was a little bit more endearing. But in podcasts, like, I love having conversations. Um, I sort of took the Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons model of I wanted to have people in the studio because there's just a different vibe when you're when you're in the same space as somebody. I mean, we're doing this remotely. And I, but I, and I could see your faces, but sometimes when you're doing interviews over the phone, you just lose, it's like you lose a couple of layers of connectivity. So I didn't do them that frequently. I still continue doing interviews on, um, on TSN, which was, is the ESPN of Canada. And my segment still had the same name. Cabby presents. I just kept the same banner, whether I was doing podcasts or interviews, it was cool, man. But I really, um, I didn't pump them out consistently enough the way that Joe Rogan does or Bill Simmons. And I certainly, I mean, and, and the, you know, right now, huge competition for you guys are like former athletes that have a platform. So there's Darius miles and, and Q rich, but above them, there's stack Jack and Matt Barnes. All the smoke is amazing. And mm-hmm. then I am the I am athlete podcast with Correct. Chad Johnson, who I've worked with at Bleacher, uh, Brandon, um, Brandon Marshall, Fred Taylor. Like that one's excellent. And that's even amazing. like in the pop culture space, when you have Noriega and drink champs, like that's that's I mean, Nori is a legend as well, but they have like that's more competition for us who are we're guys who are storytellers, we're guys who love having conversations. 
And listen, a high tide raises all boats, but it's still like sometimes a little bit rockier for us who are smaller boats and less, um, less cachet for athletes because they have a shared experience. So they feel a lot more comfortable speaking to a Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson versus us, but we can get there. So I, after a few years, I just, once I left TSN, I did not resume the podcast. Uh, I'm going to resume doing interviews at my new spot at, at Sportsnet, but uh, for now the podcast is on, on a lengthy hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And we'll get into what you're doing now when we get to the next segment. Uh, MH, did you want to jump into quick hits really quick? Yeah. Yeah. Cabby, uh, if ever, you don't seem like a person that would be starstruck, but you've hit so many people. So have you ever been starstruck? Yes. Yes. Michael, Beyonce. <laughs> uh, Beyonce. I was starstruck. I met Jay-Z a couple of times and I fumbled my words as though I was speaking to Beyonce. Um, hey, uh, uh, Hove, can you, uh, 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 it's like, <laughs> I was having multiple strokes, bro. Speaking uh, to this guy at a Lakers game, just trying to do 35 seconds with him at halftime. And it was like, Hove is another dude who is my favorite artist, who I just have so much respect for and so much I revere this man and his artistry. I was, hum, 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 hum. I couldn't, I couldn't spit out a clean sentence. Um, I would be starstruck meeting, you know, your former president, President Obama. If I ever got to meet or interview Oprah, I would be starstruck. Ronaldo, Messi. Um, the the one time I met David Beckham. Even Iverson, yeah. I would start, but Beckham was like, I mean, was, the dude was that is, at the game or no, that was a, you met him before that, the Lakers game. Oh, thank you very much. I met him. Uh, so I met him twice. Appreciate you. Appreciate that very much. Um, so once at the Lakers game, and then I interviewed him when it was announced that he was part of an ownership team to bring inter Miami, the MLS team to Miami. And I got about five minutes with him. And then I was, um, it's like Beckham. This guy was a global celebrity, like one of the most famous humans on earth. Obviously, we know how big soccer is globally. And then he was like the dude at Manchester United, which is like the biggest club in the world. So it was, um, yeah, There, I, I still get starstruck, man. Even Will Smith, who was a personal hero of mine, interviewing him, I was like, again, I was like, I was having multiple strokes. It was as though like somebody just threw sand in my mouth and I couldn't speak properly. <laughs> it was it was it was a near disaster. If you had a top five Canadian athlete kind of list, who would that be? Of athletes that I haven't interviewed before, or athletes that are, are or just in general, gen general as a fan, as somebody you've interviewed, or respect top five Canadian athletes. Okay, so at the five Canadians, all right, at the five. Jeez, interviews? Oh my gosh, this is tough. Okay, interviews. We'll go. Okay, we're gonna go in reverse order. Um, okay. She. Okay, so Christine Saint Clair, who is our greatest Canadian female soccer player, she's at the five. Number four is Alfonso Davies, who is a soccer player, plays at Bayern. I've interviewed him a couple of times when he played with the Vancouver Whitecaps. At the three spot, uh, I would say. I know who number was at the three spot. Um, I'm going to give it to Mike Richards, who was uh, a hockey player, played for yeah. the LA Kings, won two Stanley Cups with the LA Kings. He's the guy that allowed me, that gave me the privilege. I did not earn this privilege, but I got to eat Captain Crunch and Lucky Charms out of the Stanley Cup. And for Canadians, that is like, that is the holy grail. And um, 
It's been disrespected more than me eating cereal out of it, but I did not earn the privilege, but he gave me the privilege. Okay, so he's at the three. Number two, a Canadian athlete, I would say. Um, um, Wayne Gretzky, because of his status in the culture and what he means to get, ooh, or Donovan Bailey. <laughs> you know what? DB is a G. I'm going to give it to Donovan Bailey. He's a, he is as a G and then number one, Steve Nash, there, the, the, there was a time where I was at an all-star weekend and mm -hmm. um, because I speak my style, your audience wouldn't be familiar with my style, but it's, it's annoying. Like I'm obnoxious <laughs> and I get really close to people because I want to feel their energy and it creates a moment of awkwardness, which is uncomfortable for the audience. Also uncomfortable for the athlete, but right. I like to break barriers and I like to disarm people by putting my arm around them or like putting my face against their face. It's, <laughs> I'm very weird. Um, but like, cause I want everybody to be my friend and they're not all my friend. And a lot of people are like very, get, I've, I've gotten the Heisman more than <laughs> grown men, like from like, anyway. Uh, so the, I was in Houston. I was doing all-star weekend mm -hmm. and I was chewing gum because my breath and Kyle Lowry recently reminded this. I went to Chipotle once <laughs> doing, an honor, doing an interview with him and, and DeMar DeRozan. And he's like, bro, did you have a burrito for lunch? I'm like, yeah, I can smell, smell the onions on your breath. So for I don't eat onions anymore because Kyle put me on blast. Rightfully oh, so. Because <laughs> my breath smelled like delicious onions, but it's powerful. So, okay. So I'm chewing, chewing gum with Steve Nash. And then, so I'm asking him, same bit that I did with Kobe, why is everything bigger in the state of Texas? This is 2006 in Houston. Mm -hmm. He was at Western Conference All-Stars. The room is packed with reporters, 12 or 15 All-Stars. Steve Nash is sitting down. I'm chewing gum. I'm asking him, hey, why is everything in the bigger in the state of Texas? I'm wearing a big four-gallon, whatever-gallon hat, like a stupid cowboy hat as part of a prop. Okay. The gum that's in my mouth, which is freshening my breath because it's spearmint, and spearmint is delicious, it oh, decides to fly plug. out. <laughs> Steve Nash is sitting in his locker. The gum falls square into his lap, right in his bathing suit area. It was a direct hit to his manhood. So there's a, <laughs> then, then there's that moment where, oh. where we, yeah, exactly, a super pause. That moment where we both look into his lap and then see a white piece of gum there. And then we look at each other and he's he's looking up at me because he's sitting in his locker. He's like, did you just spit gum into my crotch? <laughs> I am flushed with embarrassment. The, I, I'm mortified. The heat is starting to climb up my neck <laughs> like zombies in, in uh, what was that Brad Pitt movie where the zombies take over Earth? I have no idea, man. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't remember, but the zombies have like breached the wall and they're climbing into the castle or whatever. <laughs> it's, you know, when you're super embarrassed, your, your face, your neck starts to get hot. You're flushed. Yeah, yeah. You start. That's yeah, where I was at. So then uh, I have to decide how am I going to get the gum out of this man's lap? Oh no. Because it's sitting. It's Sounds a direct like hit. <laughs> so like, I can't just reach into the man's lap to like, so I take off the stupid hat and I'm starting to swipe, swipe at the gum and it's not moving, but I'm hitting his manhood like it's whack-a-mole and it's at 100 points, 200 points, 300 points. It's like Super Mario when you're, when Super Mario is breaking the brick and there's the coins are like ding, 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 ding. So finally 
I hit the gum out of his lap. It careened somewhere into the dressing room. I'm so embarrassed. I leave. I don't even finish the interview. Uh, Cause there's like 25 people standing around watching me become an absolute jackass. Late. I see him later that like hours later and he's walking with his PR guy sees me taps his PR guy. PR guy goes into a suit jacket, pulls out some gum. Nash hands me some gum. I'm like, <laughs> let's go. He's just such a G. So yeah, Nash is at the top of that list. I'm sorry. That was, that was supposed to be a quick hitter. It turned out to be a 11 minute monologue. <laughs> Thank you. I got one more. Oh, okay. I got one more. So I'm, I apologize, but you you said melted, right? When you when you had a little when you a little warm, you call it melted. Yeah, when you're sauced. Yeah, we say melt. I say melted. Okay. So in a situation, this is a little nasty. Would you rather kind of with your gum vomit on one of your heroes or have them <laughs> throw up on you in the interview situation? Sorry. Yeah. I like your little storytelling, so I want to hear your. You're you're creative mind. I think you've got to understand this. Bro, like, wow. Uh, that's that's a, okay. I we, think we, of that we, scene in 40 Year Old Virgin when Steve Carell is getting a drive home from like <laughs> on a date and yeah. she vomits like lobster and like scallops on it. And like, like just yeah, it's kind of pink, like Pepto Bismol. <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, we done went off the rails though. No, yeah. we, it no. would it, it would be funnier if I got vomited on because I'm often the butt of the jokes, the joke. And I would feel, I would feel mortified <laughs> if I like if had a violent rust. reaction to Taco <laughs> Bell or Carl's Jr. or Sonic or something. And I was like, I just, I just was a disgusting pig and I ate $19 worth of fast food. And I went to an event and then huh, gave it all back. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so I would, uh, I would, God. Bombing Ooh. on you. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah. question, bro. <laughs> MH, that's a great question. That's a tough nice. hypothetical. All right, MH, is that the last one? That's it, man. Sorry. Right. I, I, a, a I have a couple too, man. So I just want to hit on where did your love for music come, right? So you have your um your music Mondays that oh, you've been you, dropping and, and that you do drop on, on Spotify, man. And like, you know, prepping for, you know, we've been going back and forth getting this set up. And I'm like, okay, I see him. So where did that come from, man? I appreciate you. I, I just am a, a huge consumer of pop culture. And my parents are from the island. So my dad's from Jamaica. So growing up, I heard reggae music. And then my mom's from Trinidad. So I heard soca music a lot. But my dad also, when he was at the University of Toronto, he would throw parties with his friend, a guy. So my dad's like DJ name was the soul defender and his boy was the, was Detroit disco. So he would play the funk records, the, the partner Detroit disco. My dad would play like the R and B and the slow jams and just be pressing up women in the corner of like darkly lit rooms with like one red light bulb kind of swinging or whatever so in mean. a hot basement in <laughs> 1974. So my pops would be spinning the Marvin Gaye records, Commodore. So I always had music in the house. So even and to this day, when I'm cleaning or first time, when I get up in the morning, I'm either put on a podcast or I put on music because I just want to feel a vibe. Either I want to get information first thing in the morning or I just need a vibe. So I, I'm a, music is a soundtrack of our lives and I'm really into hip hop and R&B. That's the music that uh, speaks to me most. So I, I just, I probably I put it out there. I haven't, I need to 
it's, it's funny you say that because I haven't updated the list in a couple of weeks and I've been a little bit delinquent just because work stuff because I started this new job. Right. But I will be updating that list very soon. So you thank go. you for there asking you about Music Monday. It's a little, it's a bit of a passion project and not everybody uh, taps in, but occasionally people will be like, oh, thanks for putting me on to Put me on this to artist or that artist. Absolutely. All right, so last one. So we want to get into the winner's circle so we can talk about this new job, why, why we lost you. But really quick, so... Your skits are amazing, right? So we're going to make sure you give your social so people can kind of go through the archives. And then plus when you um, Thanks, refresh bro. your interviews. But um, so NBA All-Star, did you get anyone to attend your wedding? Because I know you asked a couple people. Oh, thank you, wedding. man. Thank <laughs> you. For the wedding. I appreciate you seeing that one. <laughs> I no. know you have a lot of skits, but like that one hit home for us. And thank that was you, the bro. one in Vegas, right? When Were you guys in Las Vegas in 2000? Were you guys there for that one? I was there for All Star for yeah, in 2007. I wasn't living here yet, I don't think. But uh, man, I was on the verge. That was uh, something was, different, <laughs> right? Like the first time that Vegas had experienced an NBA All Star weekend, and hasn't and almost, since a, and almost the last time. <laughs> I think it was the last time. We were, bro. We were outside before outside. Like the All whole the culture was outside. Like um, hotels running out of chicken wings, but anyway, that's a whole nother story because my uh my my cousin was side a side note. It's side funny you mentioned chicken wings. I went to an Atlanta, <laughs> I went to an Atlanta Hawks uh 76ers playoff game this year. It was in Atlanta, it was like game three or game four. We went to Magic City on a Monday, Magic City Mondays. Like this, it has this huge reputation. The it's wings the underwhelming. I got the little oh, will, like the lemon, pepper lemon peppers, the lemon, the lemon yeah. pepper loons. What? What? There were like the reputation is like Lou Will left the bubble and took fines. <laughs> Go eat some freaking chicken wings and probably see some tings. Like my yeah. guy, you know, he had, he the, had tings and wings. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, wings and tings, tings and wings. Um, but they were, yeah, it was like first of all, you got to wait ninety minutes to get yeah. your wings on a Monday at least. <laughs> Magic City is like the size of a locker room. It's tiny. Tiny. You, you guys have like Sapphire and Spearmint Rhino, like big clubs. Magic City, bro, is like a small gymnasium. It is small. Small, like, man. I, 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 you been there? I know. Mate? Yeah, I've been there. I got made fun of. I didn't know me and my homeboy went, and uh, I didn't know where to sit because it is so small. And I accidentally just walked into the VIP, and they was like, who this broke ass in the <laughs> It's like, oh my bad. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get some wings, honestly. Just find somewhere to sit down. That's yeah, and the, and the place is so small, you don't really know where to stand. You just Correct. try to find a little bit of real estate to stand. <laughs> and then you might be up against the bar getting a drink for your homies. And then the girls are just doing dances like right up at the bar with yeah. on a dude. There's no like pri there's one VIP section which is yep. like encased in glass. Correct. But you got to be future. You got to be Jermaine Dupree. You got to be freaking Luda, Drake, Lil Wayne to get up there. Like you yep. said, MH. Like if you if if you're not if you're not one of these seven figure, eight figure dudes, like you're not getting, yeah, or was... or like the local dude who moves weight, then you're not getting up there. So it was, uh, it was... the D boys. They all they always have play <laughs> role. All right, so. So rewind and to bring it back. So did you get anyone to attend oh, your yeah, wedding? No, no, no. Okay. So <laughs> I, thank you. Thank you. So I got married in 2019. I did the bit that you're referring to back in 2007. So mm -hmm. absolutely oh. not. I asked Nash, Braun, Bean, Iverson. Who else was in that bit? Was, I think. Was Garnett? Was, 
Garnett, I think Car maybe Carmelo, but everybody said no. Actually, Steve Nash was in a wedding that weekend. Dirk Nowitzki got married, mm. and um, Nash is Nowitzki's like best friend, and so they they got married in Vegas. And uh, Nash married like a beautiful sister. Oh no, yeah. not Nash, uh, Nowitzki. Like Dirk, yeah. salute to Dirk. Like he gets he gets like whenever. Like, I mean, he's obviously a legend in the NBA, played almost 20 years, first battle mm -hmm. Hall of Famer, like the best player ever played for the Dallas Mavericks. But when bros see him in the street, they're like, he gets that nod. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you're definitely invited to the barbecue. He gets the head nod. Yeah. <laughs> he's invited Absolutely. to the barbecue for sure. All right, so let's jump into the winner's circle, man. So tell the people what you're doing now. So you used to be, and, and give us a little bit of the transition because you used to be here in Las Vegas. So you were one of our Las Vegas locals and did some great stuff. And you've alluded to working with um, Vegas Kelly, who I've known for a while. Oh, um, nice. And then Chad uh, with yeah. uh, BR Sports. So just kind of tell us briefly what you did there. But we want to talk about what you're doing now. Like what okay. brought you back home? Like Le LeBron, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'll try to keep this quick, but you know, I'm the, first of all, I'm the enemy oh, no. of silence. Let's go. And then, uh, I am, uh, brevity is my, is, uh, my kryptonite. So I was at, uh, TSN for a while, which is ESPN Canada moved to Las Vegas to work for Bleacher Report and they're betting vertical. We had a deal with Caesar's palace. We were creating content out of Caesar's palace. Our office was there. Our studio was there and we were oh, doing wow. stuff okay. in the sports book for about seven months. So I got there in August and then Rudy Gobert touches some microphones at a press conference on March like 9th, March 11th, boom, the world stops. And then Woj drops the bomb. The NBA is suspending its season indefinitely. That's when I, that's like, it's that moment that is the start of the pandemic for me, even mm -hmm. though, you know, in like December or January, some reports are coming out of China, but like when the NBA stopped and then every other sport stopped after that, that was yeah. really the start of the pandemic. Yeah. So then we started working remotely. I did another year with Bleacher and I learned a ton off from the betting team is who I worked with. I was hosting a couple of streams, a football stream and a basketball stream, and then mm -hmm. doing some stuff for um, uh, TNT on the digital side. Uh, but then, so in, uh, September, I moved back to Canada and I, I'm working for a company called Sportsnet. So in Canada, there are basically two giant media companies. It's like AT&T and Verizon, let's say. So it's TSN, which is ESPN Canada, and it's Sportsnet, which is kind of like Fox Sports, okay. I guess. Yep, so I worked it. for the, the Fox Sports of Canada and they didn't have a betting vertical they didn't have any betting content so i returned home to be the executive producer of betting content and strategy for sportsnet so now i'm taking everything i learned at bleach report and appreciate you thank you ej uh everything i learned at bleacher and i'm applying it to i gotta build a team hire some young talented creators and then you know you guys are in vegas so you guys probably lay the occasional bet probably lose a few parlays here and there i'm gonna be doing that stuff back home and then commiserating with people who lose on the you know have some bad beats or lose on the you know they had the the bills to win on i know this is i'm dating it but like you know people that built or the bills but then derrick henry just ran the ball through their faces three touchdowns like marshawn lynch said years ago when you beat a month face in what was it like over, over, and, over, over and over 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 over, over. over. <laughs> that shit is amazing so um 
you know, and then a bunch of like thousands of people lost on that bills money, that money. Nighter. So I'm in that space making betting adjacent content back in Canada. I like that. So your transition to where you're at now, man, has it been, has it been difficult? I mean, you're such a, 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 a joyous individual. So appreciate you. Has there been any difficult times or uh, any struggles or talk about a little bit about that? It's real. It's real new. I mean, it's like, I've been, so this is like, so week six. So I've okay. never, uh, I've my, my whole career I've been front facing. So I've been hosting shows or interviewing people. I haven't really been in a leadership position. So this is a huge opportunity of growth for me to build a team and manage people and manage talent and come up with a strategy and a vision. So it's a, it's a big challenge, but I've been trying to like climb slowly up the mountain and I hate cliches. And in my interviews, I try my hardest not to like, if I were to interview Russ, that would be very difficult because Russ speaks in a lot of cliches. There are certain athletes that don't really enjoy it. So you got to be real creative in like the way that you approach it. So, um, I, I, so I'm taking baby steps up the mountain while I try to uh, understand the new uh, place that I work at, how things, you know, different personalities inside of Sportsnet. And it'll be my first time like hiring like Gen Z's, like a 23 year old unicorn who can edit and shoot and is funny and loves memes. Like I want to find, I got to find like a Giannis Antetokounmpo of the world of internet back home, like wow. these unicorns, like, and I'm not talking about a Chris Stapps or uh who else is another unicorn, Joel Embiid, like those guys get injured or too injury prone. I need to find a Giannis. I need to find a great <laughs> God who can, who loves betting, who can speak the language of the internet. And then who's a fun personality. And so how are you going to find some of those names, right? Because like those names here are out here in Vegas, right? So you have Floyd, who's a big gambler, right? You have Vegas Dave, um, shout out to we've had um, a, a Shark Tank. Um, so um, why am I? Why, um, Mark Cuban? No, no, no. Sharp. So for like the sharp betters. Yeah. Uh, we had um, Ashton, Dar Darren Ashton, who's like a, a better and a hedger. And he has a whole company that talks about like odds and things like that. So betting is huge now. How are you like ingraining and finding that like that that neighborhood of that vertical there? You know what I mean? That's a great question. And they're, the sharps are hard to find. Many of them don't want to be in the media or on, on the internet or because they, they make a lot of money and they're not trying to alert the IRS. Like, Oh, I just bet 400 grand on friggin' Georgia to blow out Kentucky or, <laughs> right. you know, they got a future on Appalachian state to win. It's, you know, um, conference or the, the usla and the pac so that part's tricky because mm -hmm. there are betters in canada but we don't have sharps who can move the needle Neither like you guys do in las vegas you know working with kelly in vegas kelly stewart she was awesome and she has access to these sharps but a lot of them don't want to be in the public eye because it just no. brings a lot of attention so um, you mentioned Darren Ashton. I don't know that individual. I'd love to speak with him. Thank Definitely you very, so. very much for dropping that name. Yeah. Vegas Dave, terrible. Uh, he has a terrible reputation. Not someone that I'm probably going to do want to do business with. But I have a couple of friends who, who, um, who are in the betting world in Vegas. So I'm going to try to lean on them to like find like the one person that'll be like, all right, I'll go talk to Canada. I like it. 
Hey, if you guys know any sharps, please let me know. Cause I, you know, I would love to have conversations or have some of these guys appear on or women appear on, uh, on our, on our verticals are lit either the, the TV station or, or digitally up in Canada. Now has the gamification of sports betting helped the whole yes. narrative? And then like, are you going to kind of start focusing? I mean, being a video gamer, you said that's how you got your love, you know, for, for the sport. So kind of intertwining that. I mean, hell, let's drop another gym, right? You, you voiced a video game. So you got, you got a, a, a celebrity credit of voicing a video game under, under your belt. But did the gamification of that really, you know, uh, of sports betting help the kind of cause and, and, and yes. for the growth? We found a huge growth. I mean, I say we at formerly a bleacher, huge growth opportunity in like certain markets. The audience, as you guys know, have ADD. They have like ADHD. So we are competing right now as people are watching this, if they're watching this or listening to this at this point, like they might be doing something else. They're on the commute or working out or something, but we're in the attention economy. We as content creators are competing with not only Call of Duty, but we're competing with Netflix. We're competing with whatever game or Spotify is on. And then we're competing against like group text and Instagram and iMessage. So it's really difficult. So as far as gamification goes, it's like, how do you reward the audience for engaging with your content? Our One of the strategies at BR was like, we created content where we could celebrate the audience. So like whether it's an IG live stream and shout out to my dude, the young homie, Greg Ivory, who would do something called winners only Wednesdays an Instagram live feed where he would just like ask for picks. And then he would either, if a person was too long, you like cut them off, but he tried to get a bunch of people in the feed or on our premium shows, our streams, we would, we would surface comments, but then we'd also go for quick resolving bets. So um, in basketball, somebody created something called a three by two. Will there be two three pointers scored in the first three minutes of a basketball game? That bet is resolved in three minutes. Like that is super fast. Yeah. We did one in and baseball called the, that's dope. Okay. We did it one in baseball called the Nerfy. No runs in the first inning. So we would bet that there would be no runs in the first running in first inning. And in the beginning of the season, Nerfies hit all the time towards the end. As baseball is just like a home run sport, we were getting clobbered. But <laughs> bets that can resolve within the first five or ten minutes of the game, we found a huge boost in that. And the audience, that's how we gamified our content. The audience really responded to it. So I got to do similar things in Canada and find different ways. I can't just bite what we did at Bleacher. I got to find some stuff for like hockey and um, and also like football and basketball, but just figure out ways to ways to come up with something original but same principle quick resolving vet bets that satisfy the short attention span of our of our audience and it's an easier way to get into right because people don't know shorts and second halves and you know buying points and all of that like that's yeah, why yeah. we see definitely for super bowl here we see the prop bets like it's ridiculous you go to like the westgate or any you know your local casino and there's like 15 20 pages of like all the prop bets you can, you can have and like you said it definitely makes it more entertaining it's quick because like they have the coin flip right that's yes. happening before the game even starts but it's like action just to keep you involved so all right man well we're transitioning man we, we, we we're wrapping this up man this has been amazing um this is a part of the show we call the assist 
So this is where you get to drop a, a coaching gym. You get to pass that dime. Um, so just give us either words of wisdom, a quote that you live by, or something you would tell your younger self. Just a, just a, just some words of wisdom, man. So uh, go ahead and give us that gym. The quote that I live by is, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. The audience doesn't care about how hard it is for you to do something. They just want to, they just want to see something new or consume something new. Nobody cares that the iPhone has parts from 65 countries, like the scope of like the supply chain that makes your iPhone. Nobody cares about that. Or unfortunately, some people lose their lives in these sweatshops, making your new J's, your fours or your fives or your 11s or 13s. They just want the new thing. So even when making content, which is very hard, is even more challenging, Mm -hmm. nobody cares. Just focus on the final product, make it hot, and then hopefully it'll find the audience. So that's what I live by. Don't tell me about the bathwater. Don't, don't, sorry, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. There it is. MH, wrapping up, man, you got uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, Kevin, I think we had a we had a live show about this a couple weeks ago, man. Do the we, same thing that I just that that quote exactly. No, you were talking was. about information. So, oh, okay. Do we have access to too much information? Don't start this. I already won that conversation. Man. No, you, you did. Play? You did. Where you just played uh, drops with it? You did. That doesn't mean you won. <laughs> do we have final thoughts, MH? <laughs> is that your final thought? Yeah, no, it I, definitely is. I love that we have access to so much information. The thing that I loathe is that information has been politicized. It's been, and certain information has been used to divide us where there's information that could be empirical facts are now tainted with a left or a right perspective. And that, that part sucks, but I don't think we, I love that we have, the most information that humans have ever had just on these devices that are these computers that are in our pockets, our phones. Absolutely. Uh, I, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate spoken, it. Spoken. All right. So really quick before we get out of here, man, you want to give everybody your social or where they can find you or just, just please give us that. We're going to put it in the show notes too, but just definitely Thank need you. to hear. Thank you, fellas. So just on Twitter, I'm at Cabby, C-A-B-B-I-E. And on Instagram, I'm the real Cabby because I can't get Cabby as my account name. So just, the real cabbie. So that's where all of my content is. And, uh, and I appreciate you fellas so much for allowing me the space to come tell some stories, be a goofball and, and, uh, <laughs> and have uh, some, um, a great conversation with you guys. Absolutely. So we'll definitely put all of that in the show notes and, you know, uh, Cabby, thanks again, man. We really appreciate you. Uh, for hopping on with us and having fun, man. It's just it's just that vibe, man. And uh, you're definitely an update show. We need to kind of figure out how you're doing after you get settled and all the great things. So however we can support, man, you know the Black and Sports uh, audience is definitely here to support you. And we want to thank you also, our listeners. Hope you enjoyed the show. You know, new shows dropping every Thursday. So please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel because you know visual representation matters. Uh, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please stay safe. Practice gratitude and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Look, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat bouts, racks on handmade new rags. Sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.